Episode 9, a Brazilian psychoanalyst, pilot, and pizza delivery boy. My guest on this episode is Guilherme Magnola. Guilherme is one of my English students. He is a practicing psychoanalyst and the founder of the Brazilian Institute of Psychoanalysis, where he teaches courses that are enjoyed by more than 30,000 students. In his free time, he enjoys playing chess, and in his younger years, spent a lot of his time in the clouds flying gliders as a qualified pilot and instructor. Guilherme is one of those people who seems to unexpectedly appear in your life just at the right time. Our friendship, along with the conversations and connections he has shared, have been very valuable to me for helping the people I care about most. His knowledge and passion for learning about the mind is truly impressive along with the kindness and modesty he displays as a human being. As you'll hear at the beginning of this podcast, I rather embarrassingly mispronounced the word psychoanalyst. So yes, Guilherme is a professional psychoanalyst who practices psychoanalysis to help his patients. Uh, you'll also notice that Guilherme speaks good English, but at times he does make some mistakes. Um, so for example, he sometimes confuses when to use the word much and many. So in the transcript, I've made corrections for any grammatical mistakes or pronunciations that Guilherme has made. So I really recommend downloading the free transcript uh, available at schoolofdudo.com. And you can learn from the mistakes of Guilherme. And also, it's just a great tool for studying and developing your English while listening to the podcast. So I really recommend that. Okay, so it's a real pleasure to have my student and friend as one of the first guests on this podcast. May I introduce you to Guilherme Magnola. Okay, Guilherme, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's a great pleasure to be here with you today. Thank you. Yeah, well, the pleasure is all mine. Uh, it's a great honor and pleasure to, yeah. to be here. And for your hospitality, here we are in your studio apartment in Sao Paulo, uh, drinking a very nice Malbec yeah. uh, red wine. Here we go. Um, so cheers. Cheers. So um, let's dive straight in yep. to the interview, to the conversation. Um, so the first thing I want to talk to you about is, um, you know, I've already explained that you're, you're my English student yes. um, and you're a psychoanalyst, uh, analyst, sorry, psych, you're a psychoanalyst, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I know that uh, when you were younger, you worked in London as a pizza delivery guy. Um, yes, I did. Yeah. So how old were you when you... 22, 22. 23, yes. Yeah. yeah. Long time ago. Yeah, so I think this is this is interesting because you know you're kind of a, a successful person, very uh, intellectual now, yes. and it just goes to show you know you never know who might be delivering your pizza. <laughs> it's true. That's funny. Yes. So my first question is: What was the best and the worst thing about this experience? Yeah, sure, and and we never know uh, uh, where life is going to you know, leaders also, because I went to London to learn English, to become a better pilot, as I used to uh, uh, pilot planes at that time. 
and then ended up being a psychoanalyst. But anyway, uh, in Pizza Hut, I what was the question again? Yeah, so like my question is, what was the best and the worst thing about your experience being a pizza delivery, delivery. guy? Yes. Uh, I went to London, I think you don't know that, to stay for six months. And then I realized it wasn't enough to learn the language. And I decided to stay longer. At the first month in, Lo in London, I did some very underpaid jobs, like cleaning, uh, washing dishes, things like that. So uh start working at Pizza Hut, delivering pizzas was an upgrade for me. And uh, the best thing about it was that in, at that moment, uh, as a 22-year-old boy, it was a very good job for me. And uh, what was difficult about it was that delivering pizzas uh, driving in the cold, in the rain, it's kind of dangerous and I, I almost had an accident uh, and uh, but there was some uh, uh, some nice uh, other things such as uh, receiving tips and extra money that helped me a lot. Yeah, so but yeah this time you know, working in London, it really helped you improve your English? Yes, it did actually, because uh, in the pizza place where I used to work, in Maidavale, it was a unit that uh, made only deliveries, takeaways. They didn't have a uh, restaurant. And so I worked with many different people from different places, but, but there were no Brazilians in there. So it helped me a lot to learn the language. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's funny. So my brother-in-law, who's Brazilian, yeah. uh, also was a pizza delivery guy in London oh, for a while. Was he? And uh, yeah, it's funny as well because like he today, like he has a very good job. He's, you know, very serious professional. Um, so it just shows like how many Brazilians go there and deliver pizzas. Um, At a young age. A young age to, yes. to learn English. And... Yes, with, with one objective. Yes, one goal, which is to learn English. And that is more important than uh, the job you do. Yeah. For yeah. us. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm here talking to you, which w w uh, wouldn't be possible uh, yeah. if I had been there. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. So my next question I want to talk to you about, um, or ask you, what is psychoanalysis? So this is your area of expertise. Yes. So can you explain in a simple way for our audience yeah. what is psychoanalysis? Thanks for the simple way. <laughs> it's such <laughs> it's a like... complex and a huge uh, question. But in a simple way, psychoanalysis is a science uh, which is, was developed to treat people that were mental sick but then uh, was uh, ended up being used to uh, human beings in general. I mean, you go to, to a psychoanalyst when you try, want to understand about yourself. You don't have to be sick, you don't have to be ill, you don't have to have any major problems to go to a psychoanalysis. I believe it's 
summing up, I believe it's the art of knowing yourself. We dedicated many hours of, uh, to learning a language, to learning uh, philosophy, to learning how things work, and sometimes we forget about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And psychoanalysis is when you go to a therapist and take a time to know yourself. Yeah. Because many of our inner world uh, is un unconscious to us. Therefore, we need to work to uh, uh, reach these unconscious ideas. Mm -hmm. That's what psychoanalysis does. Great. So, so yeah. So basically, we spend you know spend our lives learning about all these different subjects that are important, yeah. but most people neglect learning about the self. And yeah. Um, so, would you recommend? I mean, you said basically anyone can go and do psychoanalysis, regardless of whether you have a mental illness or you're sick. You would recommend it for everybody, or yes. Look, uh, I'm going to tell you this as a friend. Because you said you, uh, you, you, you were my friend when you introduced me, and uh, I see you as my I see you as my friend. I don't tell that usually because some people don't get it, but I'm going to tell you that. Uh, I believe everybody should go to a psychoanalyst, not because everybody is problematic enough to go to a to a psychoanalyst. But I believe that human beings have a kind of a nature that when we get uh, to the end of our uh, development process, like uh, when we get to be adults, uh, we always get there traumatized uh, in some way. And we have to carry on that uh, development. The, the, the developmental psychology it shouldn't uh, end when you become adults. I mean, there is a lot of uh, a lot to learn, a lot to improve, a lot to know about ourselves. It should be a part of our lives, mm -hmm. you know, to carry on the process of being a better human being. And for that, you need to investigate your own thoughts. In unconscious uh, feelings and so on so yes I recommend it to everybody okay cool um, so I remember I think the last lesson we did we talked about um, a Freudian slip um, so I thought oh, this could be an interesting thing to talk about um, and explain to the audience so um, can you explain what a Freudian slip is again in a very simple way and do you have any examples that you can share yeah, can you explain uh, your students what a slip is? A slip. So, well, the verb to slip is when you basically fall over. So if you imagine the floor is wet and soapy and you slip over and you, yeah. you fall over. Okay, so it's like, it's like an accident, it's a like mistake. It's a mistake, yeah. yes, perfect. So a Freudian slip is a mistake that you make because of the unconscious. Because Freud... Um, all psychoanalysts, we believe we have an unconscious mind that uh, defines some of our decisions, acts. So you make these slips when your unconscious talks, even though you don't want to. Like you want to say something, you say something else. You want to hear something, you hear something else. 
you want to write something, you write something else. Like uh, you want to take care of your cell phone because uh, it's expensive, but suddenly you let it uh, fall down and break because uh, in some way you wanted it to break because you want a new phone, mm -hmm. a new cell phone. So you make a slip. A Freudian slip is any small accident that happens in language, in forgetting, in uh, the small acts of uh, day, daily life that are uh, determined by the unconscious desires. Like you forget uh, a pair of boots in a, in a bus or in a coach or in a traveling because really you want to buy new boots, let's say. <laughs> That's an example of a... So it's like your slip. unconscious mind unconscious working mind. to get what you want or express what you really want to say yeah. um, against your conscious mind. Against your conscious... Exactly. Mm -hmm. That word against is perfect because it's, it, it's all related to the conflict between a conscious uh, intention and an unconscious one. Because you have this conflict, these slips uh, happen. Yeah, yeah. So, in English, anyway, often when people talk about a Freudian slip, it has some sort of like sexual connotation. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking about it since we spoke about it, and I realized, uh, I remembered um, a really good one this year. There was uh, George W. Bush, the ex-president of the yeah. United States, and he gave a speech, I think it was a couple of months ago, about the war in Russia. Yeah. And he was condemning Putin and the war in Russia and the kind of illegal invasion of Ukraine. But when he came to give the speech, he said something like, uh, you know, it was just terrible, the illegal invasion of Iraq. And he, uh, he said Iraq. And yeah. everyone's just like, oh my God, that's just the worst thing you can possibly say in that moment. Yeah, because he was the one yeah. who invaded Iraq. He, well, yeah. And obviously a lot of people allege it was an illegal invasion of Iraq. Yeah. And we won't go into politics here. But um, yeah. that was, a, you know, to me, that was a clear example of a Freudian slip. That's a perfect example. Yeah. That's yeah. a perfect one, yes. And perhaps like one of the worst of all time, I think. <laughs> considering <laughs> the consequences. Yes, like, yes, yes. Sure, yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay, so my next question is, can you t talk about uh, what the ego is, again, in a simple way, yeah. um, and how is your relationship with your ego? Well, there is some misunderstanding about the ego uh, among uh, people that don't study psychoanalysis. Because sometimes people say that's an ego thing, trying to 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 say that the person is too uh, preoccupied with himself, yes. But that that's not really correct, because and the ego itself has no uh, doesn't carry the the concept of ego doesn't carry that. Uh, connotation. Can you say connotation? Yeah. The word? Yeah. yeah. Content, yeah. It doesn't carry that uh, meaning. The ego is an, an structure of apparatus uh, of the psychic apparatus, along with the super ego and the and the id, and the external reality. They are all relating uh, related to each other all the time, 
I mean, in interaction with each other all the time. And the ego has to manage these three other instances, like the external reality, the desires, and the superego, which, mm -hmm. which, which is our conscience, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, that part of us that says, you can't do it. So th the, the work of the ego is to, you know, manage to uh, uh, try to make those uh, parts happy without too many conflict. However, when the ego is invested with too, with too much energy, which Freud calls the libido, there is a phenomenon that is called narcissism. The narcissism for the psychoanalysis is when the ego is invested with the libido. Instead of, you know, investing our energy, our libido, our sexuality and everything in other people, we invest it in ourselves, in our ego. That's when we uh, appear we a narcissistic or? narcissistic yeah. we, we behave as a narcissistic person yeah. that's when he that's what uh, people mean when they say uh, somebody has an ego a big ego mm -hmm. or a huge yeah. ego or something like that it's not you know it's used in a different way in psychoanalysis but it's related to so like Donald Trump has a big ego type thing in, in yeah, a narcissistic a, way. Yes, in a narcissistic mm. way. Okay, so let me... Be, be, oh, uh, yes, that's interesting because if you say somebody has a big ego, if you are talking about psycho the psychoanalytical concept, it means that person is really balanced. Yeah, it's a good thing then. It's a good thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But uh, you the, have to... In the common use, language, like the day-to-day -day yeah. when they say, oh, he's got a big ego, it's... It's kind of a negative quality where they're kind of yes. self-absorbed yes. and concerned about their own image. And their own image. In psychoanalysis, we say it's an it's his narcissism mm -hmm. and yeah. not the ego. Okay, so let me just try and unpack all those terms because anyone okay. who doesn't know anything about psychology or okay. psychoanalysis might struggle. So, so let me see if I understand. So, basically, we have the id. Uh, which is like the, the kind of the passion, the animal, the baby with desires. Um, we have the superego, which is like our, our conscience, which is always trying to make us behave and be correct and sort of to control controlling. The yeah. The yeah, control yeah. the id. And you have the ego, which is managing these things and yes. managing reality. In, in between them, you know, yeah. trying to manage them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so back to my original question, uh, how is your relationship with your ego? Do you, do you feel you're, a, I don't know if this is the right question, but are you aware of your ego? Do you, are you feel balanced or? Well, I, I still have a long way to uh, improve, but uh, if you compare myself, I'm 51 now, to the young Guilherme, when I used to live in London, for instance, I have matured uh, well enough, uh, and uh, I'm I'm I have a bigger ego, in the sense of that I can uh, deal with my problems in a better way, and I have an, a less narcissistic ego than I used to. So, but I still have a a, 
a long path to improvement. Okay, so you've yeah you've developed, you've evolved, but you have a long way. Yes, you'd like yes. to go still. Yeah, yeah. But I'm happy with uh, the results so far. I mean, I I think I am. Uh, uh, in a in a in a moment of the process that is related to my age, which is some something that I think is good enough. Yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, my next question. Uh, I'm curious to know what you think about free will, yeah. so I'm going to try and define it here. So. Um, free will in philosophy and science is considered the power or capacity of humans to make decisions or perform actions independently of any predetermined fate or destiny. So it's something I'm, I'm always um, curious about. I'm, I'm reading, I've read a few books about it. Um, but the, the kind of the debate is, you know, does free will exist or is it an illusion and people who say it exists, um, you know, believe that we have the ability to make our own decisions and we're, you know, um, can determine our own destiny. And then people who think it's illusion, an illusion would say, no, it's all like a predetermined fate or destiny and we have no control over it ultimately. Well, it's such a James question, uh, complexity. <laughs> And a difficult one. I mean, uh, you can, as you were uh, asking me uh, the question, I thought that you, you can consider it in two different ways. One related to religion and the other one related to the culture that can influence us. I mean, if talking about religion and the fate, destiny, I would say to you that I believe in free will completely because I don't believe in God, I don't believe uh, in destiny, I don't believe in fate. Like my godness is probability. Like if uh, uh, people say about the miracles, it's a, it was a miracle that one person survived uh, when uh, he had uh, like uh, a very small amount of chance. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are many people in the world with a small amount of chance of surviving. One of them is going to survive. Yeah, like a miracle happens every day, right? Yeah. When you've got 8 uh, billion people on the planet. And... Yes, I mean, it's, uh, it's probability. It's a much less complex uh, explanation for all the miracles. I mean, if everybody survived in, a, in an airplane crash, I would believe in a miracle. So I, I don't believe in fate. On the other hand, you have the culture uh, where you are born in and the things you listen, the things you learn, the things you... I mean, do you really have free will when you live in Brazil, when you listen to Radio Globo, when you uh, learn all those things? It's very difficult to, you know... Uh, go through it and uh, so you're saying well like we're like a product of our environment so whatever environment yeah. we're in we're yes. absorbing all this culture information yes. and are we freely forming our own opinions or are yes. we just exposed and then repeating yes them? i think this this is a much more complex uh issue but even though 
I do believe we have a free will. Uh, yeah, I do. Yes. Yeah. No, it's interesting. So, I've, so like one of the books I read was by a philosopher called Sam Harris, and he's actually an, an atheist. And um, but his book is about why free will is an illusion. And if you read his book, I read his book, and I like after it, I'm like totally convinced. But then, you know, I, I speak to another philosopher or read about another philosopher who, you know, believes in free will, and I'm easily convinced the other way. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm still, it's something that I'm sort of trying to learn about and consider. Yeah, it's so difficult. I mean, I'm, I say I do believe in free will because I don't know much about it. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe if I go uh, deep into it, I may, be, I may find myself... Uh, in the same situation you, you found yourself? I mean, yeah. it's such a difficult question. Isn't I, it? And I often think, is it like just semantics? Like, you know, we just yeah. talk about words and actually we all mean the same thing. And, but um, yeah, it's quite a deep uh, or complex maybe topic. So maybe I should do yeah. an episode just about free yes. will. You know? <laughs> yeah, you should do, yes. So apologize if anyone's listening to, to and they're like, what, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, next question. Um, is there a book or a blog or a podcast or YouTube channel in English uh, that would you, you would recommend to this audience? Well, yourself. Okay, your, your, thank you. Yeah, well. Your School of Duda, I would recommend uh, for anyone that uh, studying English. And also, there is a... I, I don't listen to, to podcasts. I don't have that uh, habit. But I do listen to BBC Breakfast Morning with Vanessa Feltz. Do you know Vanessa Feltz? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a journalist. Yeah, I know it. Yeah, she's... Yeah. What I like about Vanessa Feltz is that very different to the Brazilian journalists. She tries, of course, she not always uh, succeeds, but she tries to be neutral. She, she tries to put questions to the interviewers that uh, somebody else would be thinking. Uh, people may say that what you are saying is not correct because of this or because of that. Yeah. And she does it uh, no matter who is being interviewed. And Well, it, it's in English. It's a, a British accent. Uh, and she's great. I mean, uh, Vanessa Feltz, which see, you can hear it in BBC and in the internet. So uh, you feel like she is very connected to her truth and her opinions, and she, you know, she's she challenges. She she's very connected to to the uh, the fact that uh, there is not only one opinion about a subject, even though. It doesn't matter if the person who is being interviewed is left-handed or right-handed. Can I say left-handed in English to say about politics? Uh, yeah, like when you say yeah, left-wing or right-wing or left or, or right, you know. Left or right. Yeah. She will always put questions like trying to uh, uh, be, you know, uh, trying to test the. Uh, what the people, uh, the person is saying, you know, even though she she doesn't believe in it, she will say, well, 
some people may think that that we are saying is not correct because of mm. she, so her approach is her approach is, is kind of neutral yeah. of course she she doesn't achieve this uh, goal all the time but she she's the best I've ever seen doing it yeah yeah no it's interesting so I mean so growing up as a British person we are all kind of like proud of the BBC and I don't know whether that's something that we're indoctrinated with from childhood but um, you know a lot of people consider it to be a very um, credible and high standard news channel around the world and I believe it is like I think um, you know the, the quality and the credibility of the journalism is very good however what I find is interesting is since I lived outside of the UK and living in Brazil for the last 10 years I do see kind of like a kind of propaganda angle you know from the government uh, message uh, that, which I didn't see before, before. when I lived oh. in the country it's like when you're in the bubble and you're only exposed to that. And now I listen to news channels from all over the world. And, and I still, you know, I still watch the BBC and I still think it's very good. And, you know, you could argue that it's better than other news channels. Absolutely. Um, but it's interesting that I, I didn't see the propaganda before. And now, and now it's like it's, it's often very obvious to me. So it'd be interesting to see Vanessa, Vanessa Feltz, right? Yeah, and, you, you should listen to her. Yeah. Even to correct my my view, because I I'm in another position. I'm seen as a Brazilian, and maybe I don't see the you know the propaganda and you know the it's background. Subtle, very yeah. subtle. Yes. You know, maybe I can't read it, yeah. or maybe I can. But compared to the Brazilian journalists, she's kind of neutral. Yeah. 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 Cool. What most concerns or excites you about the future? Concerns? Well, I don't know if I have too many concerns about the future. I'm a little selfish when it comes to this kind of <laughs> preoccupation because I have so little faith in human beings, especially in Brazil. So I'm not the kind of person that roots for a politic for a politician for a, poli for a politician or believes in a party uh, in, pol in politics or that that Brazil is going to become this or that. I just don't believe in it. Maybe I'm a pessimist in that way. I don't know, but I don't get in get involved. But that, uh, that pessimism for, say, politics in Brazil yeah. extends to the rest of the world? Or are you just talking about in the context no, I, of Brazil? I'm talking about Brazil. Yeah. I, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't have that in a, in somewhere, somewhere else because I don't know. But, uh, but it's specifically about Brazil. So I don't see things changing here uh, in some, uh, I mean, the next 100 or 200 years. So... I don't worry about uh, much about it. Of course, I have uh, the concerns about myself, my family, my friends, people I like, about being a, a better person. Even though I don't worry much about uh, politics and so on, I try to be a better person myself. I try to do my 
contribution to the uh, country. And uh, you said something about expectations too, didn't didn't you? Yeah, just well, what what concerns and excites excites you? Excite. So. Well, I I am excited about the future. I can say that. I mean, I am excited because I have so much plans, so much. Uh, yeah, so many plans. So many plans. Thanks. So many plans. So many jobs to do. So many uh, things that I want to do. Place I want to meet. Uh, to go and I have uh, especially my uh, professionally especially I have some uh, things that I want to achieve and I have them in my mind for the next 10 20 or 30 years already uh, the path I want to to go uh, the the aims so I'm really excited about the future, yes. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, I mean, uh, talking about Brazilian politics, like without <laughs> going into it, but my experience of so living here for 10 years, um, you know, 99% probably of Brazilians I meet are, are like you. They're sort of pessimistic about the future of Brazil based on, um, you know, the government, basically. Yeah. And I, sadly, I've come to sort of share your opinion and you know it'll, it seems like it'll take generations to change the political system because yeah. of the corruption and the inefficiency yeah. and I feel like maybe the only hope is kind of an outside influence so if there are new technologies or new companies that can offer services to Brazilians that can improve their lives then perhaps that's one way that you yes. can quickly improve the lives of people in Brazil um, but if you're waiting for the government to do something you know you, you, you might be waiting a very long time yes it's 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 been like that for for 500 years so uh, maybe something coming from outside let's see yeah i mean maybe a you know new technology that yeah. radically you know transforms things it's accessible to all the people for education for education or, i mean it has know, to be education to healthcare education. Yes. these things some new te technology related to education i mean yeah. that's that's yeah. the only way really. yeah 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 um Okay, final question. Uh, if you could go for a coffee with anyone in the world from the past, present or future, who would it be? Yes, there's someone I would uh, love to have a coffee with. And he's not from the past. He's uh, from the present and he's a young man in his 30s. His name is Magnus Carlsen from Norway. Chess player. Chess player. The yeah. chess world champion. Uh, the best ranked uh, chess player since 2011. And uh, a genius, of course. And uh, one of the best ever in chess. Uh, according not to myself because I'm, I don't have that uh, <laughs> that saying. I mean, according to the best of uh, in sports, in chess. Alongside with Kasparov and Bob Fischer, he is considered to be one of the best of all time. And 
uh, chess is I love chess I love playing chess I love uh, following chess and uh, it concentrates in it the the most demanding uh, it's, it's of intellectual and emotional process mm -hmm. I mean you it's everything in there I mean it's so emotional it's very emotional even though you may think it's only intellectual it's not it's like half half and you have to have such a mental strength in another level like but does that I mean going back to our conversation at the beginning does that relate to the mind and how it works in terms of when you say emotional like chess is emotional yeah. does that relate to like the id in any way or it's you don't consider that anything yes. it, it is related to the ego to be able to control things without being invaded by the emotions mm -hmm. it's so difficult and at the same time because we haven't spoken about the cognitive processes intelligence and that part of the mind has to be i mean at, at its high highest levels also which is really difficult because sometimes you you know exceed you are very good at intellectual things but you are emotionally very yeah uh, poor A poor social intelligence or yes and so on emotional intelligence yes but to play chess, you have to, to be the best of both. So Magnus Carlsen. Yeah. So if you met him for a coffee, like, would you, is it just to talk to him about, about something or would you play chess with him? Or? Oh, of course, I would play, play chess with him if I had a chance. I would be demolished, 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 know, yeah, say, demolished yeah. in, in like 15 moves, but I don't care. Uh, it'd be pretty cool to say you've played against him, right? Like, huh? It'd be pretty cool to say you've played it, against it the, be, uh, well, the world I mean, champion. It's something inimaginable for some, someone like me. I mean, uh, the best players in Brazil have uh, are, pr are, are pr proud of having lost to Magnus Carlsen, let's say, even though one of them managed to win. But uh, they are proud of just playing him. I mean, but it's not uh, that I would like to chat with him much. Of course, some, some chat with him. I'd, I'd like to do some chat with him. But it's more related to uh, being uh, present during one day of his life. Yeah, just the experience of yeah. meeting him. And, yes. um, yeah. Yeah, cool. Cool. Yes. Okay. Great. Well, um, this is the end of the podcast. We need to end now. I feel like we could continue this conversation. I'm sure we will. Uh, yeah, once sure. we've finished, we can yeah. go out into your neighborhood here and go yeah. and explore and keep on talking. Um, but yeah, I just want to say a big thank you for your time. I really appreciate it on a, on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Um, so thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks, James, for the honor to be here uh, in our website, in our podcast. It was a big pleasure. Thanks. Great. Thanks very much Great. indeed. How you say? How? Uh, yeah. Thanks. Say. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks very much indeed. Yeah. 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 Um, so finally, just to say, if you enjoyed our conversation, then 
you know, feel free to leave a comment under this episode at schoolofduda.com. Um, you can also leave a comment on social media, on Instagram, for example. Um, if you'd like to support this podcast, then you can recommend it to a friend or leave a review on one of the podcast platforms. Um, that would be really helpful. Um, but that's it. So thank you very much for listening. I look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. Until next time.